I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. Failure in non-monogamous journeys is an almost certainty. We find ourselves in situations we would label as train wrecks, but are they truly such disasters if we learn and grow from them? We'll talk about that shortly, but first we want to say a very big thank you to altplayground.net, an amazing open lifestyle community full of resources if you're new to the lifestyle or sex-positive people you can connect with if you're on that part of your journey. So head on over to allplayground.net today. Join our community. It's under Front Porch Swingers. Come say hello. It's the perfect place to go if you are searching for your next non-monogamous adventure. So before we get to today's topic, I thought we'd uh, discuss an interesting New York Times article. The article is titled, People Are Still Having Sex, So Why Are STD Rates Dropping? And it talks about the fact that during 2020, we were on this upward, I should say during 2019, we were on an upward trajectory to have the worst year for STD rates in 2020. Yet they have dropped significantly in terms of reporting. And the article goes on to talk about how this is actually due to people not going to see their doctors during 2020, not that people are actually having less sex, less protected sex, or that rates of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis are actually dropping during 2020. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I imagine there's a there's some truth in that for sure. People are not getting to their doctor as regularly. However, I think we also need to realize that people are, they're not out as much. There's not as much going on in the world in terms of getting in touch with people and being face-to-face with people as much as there normally would have been, obviously. Well, the article goes on to talk about how people are also not having sex as often with new partners. Right. So they are having sex with exes. They are having sex with friends far more than they are with people they don't know, which I also think contributes largely to the statistic. I imagine that the lockdown COVID-type situation also, for the, I guess, is a silver lining probably curbed some infidelity as well. You think so? Yeah. Interesting. Explain. Well, you're locked down. You know, you're, you're having less access to people. The, you've got a much lower proclivity of being able to, as you said, see other people and kind of come in contact with new people. Yeah, there's less workplace infidelity going on sure, for people sure, working which from is home. a huge part of it. Yeah. I also think you have less reason to leave the house. So... You know, excuses are few and far between. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your partner's much more likely to question what the hell you're doing. But I, I also think this is really interesting in that clinics aren't locked down. No, they're essential. You can still go get. If you need to see your doctor, you can go see your doctor. That's. I don't. You know. I, I get it. There's probably a. That's probably a very small slice of the overall pie, I think. I think a larger picture is that people, I mean, you just brought it up. It was a really good point. You've got less excuses to be leaving the house and and spending more time out, particularly if you're working from home. There are no after-hour meetings. There are no conventions. There's none of those things. Right. I think a lot of it has to do with a lack of ability to be to create an infidelity type situation. Yeah, another thing the article talks about though is that from 2019 spilling over into 2020, typically if you are a sex positive person and you're getting tested on a regular basis, you're doing it every three to six months. And there are a lot of people who 
were sexually active at the end of 2019, even into the beginning of 2020, that assumed they shouldn't go get tested during their regular scheduling into 2020. And that's a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. We did it during COVID. We had, we, we just do, but we figured it out like a lot of people do. Yeah. And also, I think it's an important reminder that there are a lot of at-home tests you can take. There are a lot of amazing services right now that you can take advantage of where you don't have to leave your home if you're nervous to go to a doctor's office. So, you know, if you're in that situation where you're still sexually active, but you don't want to get tested on your normal schedule, you should. Yeah. But again, I really, I, I do, I think it's a lot less of that then it is opportunity. There was a lot less opportunity in 2020 to be, you know, promiscuous and to create situations of infidelity for yourself and your partner. I just, I think that with people being locked down and being less active and being, uh, you know, less kind of interactive with people, working from home, doing, you know, places were closed, bars are closed. You just didn't have access to people. Your access to people was limited by comparison. Sure. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And, and the opportunity to meet people other than the, you know, the obvious online. But the face-to-face, that was diminished greatly. Yeah, I think another huge diminishment of sex-positive people out there you know, getting down is college-age people. For sure. Most colleges were closed down at the end of the spring semester. Yeah. Even looking into fall, many of them were doing mostly online classes. Mm -hmm. And not to say that it's only young people that are susceptible to these things. Of course, that's not the case. But that's a huge number of people that also are willing to go and get tested and be very aware of their status. Absolutely. I think it was a huge break or huge lapse, I should say, in, in that world of promiscuous sex and people going out and meeting new people and having those kind of relationships, it definitely was a a hindrance for folks looking to do that. For sure. So reminder, people, if you're not on a regular test schedule, we're not going to go into a giant PSA on it, but we are passionate about people, you know, knowing their status and being good citizens of the sex positive community and being regularly tested. Also, the emphasis on being COVID free was, is so strong. People almost put to the back burner anything else. Yeah, STIs are still a thing and it's still something we should all be concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. So just a reminder for you guys, I thought that was a very interesting article, especially as we look to go into, you know, 2021, hopefully we have a vaccine at some point. And uh, it's a good reminder for us sex positive people that we can't let up on other things that concern our community. No, absolutely not. So as mentioned at the top of the episode, we wanted to talk about a topic today that has been rattling around in my brain a lot lately, and that is the idea of quote-unquote failures in the lifestyle. Yes. I think a lot of times... First of all, if you're new in the lifestyle and you haven't had a failure yet, that's amazing. And just know that you're coming coming. up on it. It's coming. (laughs) You're due for one because I don't think that you can go a significant amount of time in the lifestyle and not have a train wreck experience. Exactly. It's just kind of meant to be. And I think it's part of the growing pains of being non-monogamous. And so we wanted to talk through a few of our own experiences in those quote unquote train wreck moments, but more importantly, what we learned from them. And I think the ones that we chose to talk about today are relevant in that they are not isolated experiences. We've had some very weird experiences some very yeah, off the end, sure. off the deep end experiences. But the ones that we've chosen to talk 
talk about today are ones that anyone listening that is going into a non-monogamous journey could experience themselves and what we personally pulled away and have learned to take into future interactions. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that you don't ever stop learning. It's like anything else. You know, if you think you know everything, you're probably the least intelligent person in the room. And if you think that no matter how long you've been in this lifestyle, you have learned everything, you know everything, you're going to be really disappointed at oh, some point. We hear that all the time from very veteran lifestylers yeah. that are like, oh, we've seen it all. We've, we've done it all. It all. Yeah, yeah. It's no, like, you eh. haven't. No, you haven't. You really haven't. No. And the tr- I mean, can you actually say that you're a part of, are you in the lifestyle if you haven't had a train wreck experience yet? I feel like it's a rite of passage. I really feel like you need one of those <laughs> to really get a, to, to really understand the space, you know, as it exists. For sure. I would agree with that. So the first one I wanted to bring up today was the four-way bust. So anyone that has, any couple that has played with another couple for any extended amount of time. So if you're a lifestyle couple and you play with other couples, there's eventually going to come a time when the four-way connection is not as it seems. 100%. Think of it think of it this way. If you are vanilla folks for example or you're just you're just getting you're just dipping your toe into the lifestyle pool or the ethically non-monogamous pool. If you go out with your significant other and another couple for example to dinner, how difficult is it to decide on a restaurant? Oh, God. That decision alone is a nightmare. Right. So add to that not only where you're going to go to dinner and where you're going to have drinks, but are you all four compatible enough to actually have intercourse? <laughs> and and what does that look like? Do your rules apply? Do your boundaries you know, apply aligned. to each other? Are they right. aligned with one another? Are your, your needs and wants and hard stops, are they aligned? All of those things have to be taken into consideration. So yeah, you're bound to run into some obstacles. Absolutely. And the four-way connection we talked about before on this show, as well as many times on our other podcast from Porch Swingers, but the four-way connection really is to us, the true unicorn of the lifestyle. It is something that is very difficult to find. And it's also something that I think a lot of lifestylers, especially when they're new in the lifestyle, tend to kind of fudge as a way to have experiences and to kind of feed off of the erotic energy that's happening. So the one that comes to mind for you and I is the time we were with a couple. We actually went out of town with them. Yes. And... The four-way connection was decent for a large portion of our time with them, but by the time we actually got to their room and clothes started coming off, there were all of these red flags that started popping up. Well, there were red flags early on in that in that enti- entire experience that now we would recognize immediately. And the truth is, all of those red flags, it wouldn't have taken all of them. It would have just taken one of them that we would we never would have gone as, as far as we did. We may have gone out of town and met them, but red flag number one would have just stopped the whole process for us. We maybe would have had dinner and that really would have been the end of it. When they invited us back to their room, we probably would have politely declined because we would see them coming now. We didn't then because like a lot of couples new to the lifestyle, I think that was our second experience with an actual couple. We'd had many single experiences before that, but with a couple, it was number two for us. We were just eager, like most folks, to get the reps in. We wanted to be part of the lifestyle. We wanted to be part of the scene. And they were attractive and they seemed to be attracted to us. So we thought, well, that's all that really matters, right? That's that's the antithesis of this. And as it turned out, it was, frankly, for me, it was a terrible experience for me. You had an amazing experience. Well, until after the experience. Right, 
Right. And then I realized how much it wasn't good for you. And then it did nothing for me. And I think that was the big learning lesson is just because two of you click or just because three of you click does not mean that it's a four-way connection, does not mean mean you should move forward. I also think the train wreck, just to kind of set the scene, and for those of you who have listened to us for any length of time, have probably heard this story because we talk about it a lot. It's a very good learning lesson for us. But the husband and I, the other husband and I connected very, very well together. And we had a great time sexually and conversationally and everything in between. You and the wife did not have that connection. But both of you wanted to move forward with that interaction regardless because I think all four of us were very amped on the erotic energy and we weren't looking at those red flags. Well, the truth is the the red flags as it pertained to the physical intimacy portion of that experience, it didn't rear its head until we all started to interact with one another and the wife of that couple realized very quickly how attracted to you her husband was right. and how how you guys clicked you know and how that you you really had that connection and it it very much threw her off not the least of the problems was the fact that you were at the time 27 years old right these folks were in their 40s and she actually made a comment about the last time he was with someone in their 20s it was her that was red flag number six, probably in the right. evening. And then, of course, as the evening went on, or I should say, as that as the experience continued, the sexual experience, it was very obvious that you two were connecting and really clicking. You were both having a great time, and that was very disturbing to her, which was distracting for her, which of course led to a terrible experience for she and I, particularly me. I was out of the equation within about 15 minutes of it. And I literally disengaged and just sat in a chair and watched you and her husband. Because at that point, I was just checked out. I was done. It was really a terrible experience. And to to really emphasize how great an experience you and he were having, you guys didn't even notice. No. It didn't even occur to you. Which was also part of being so new in the lifestyle. Yeah. I didn't even know to watch for that. Right. And now, of course, we know better. And we've had experiences... Since then, where it was very obvious there was a problem and we stopped mid-play. So we did learn from that experience, obviously, many, many things. That that particular experience for me was probably our biggest learning experience in the lifestyle as it pertained to couples. Sure. So, I mean, to bring it back to our topic today, it was a failure in that you did not have a good experience. You and I did not connect afterwards in the same way because it was not a good experience for you. And I was upset by the fact that you and she had such a horrible connection. So it's easy to look at that as a complete failure. But like you just said, I don't think there has been a single experience that we've had that has led to more communication, that has led to us going into future interactions with a better plan in place for those types of situations. For sure. And for me, the real failure, particularly for us, we are we are a couple that really like to get to know the people that we're going to play with. We are genuinely interested in in making friends in this space, whether it's with a couple or a single person, for the most part, particularly with couples, though, we really look for that friendship connection. For me, the failure is we never spoke to those folks again. Never. It was a terrible experience. No friendship friendship evolved from it. So for us, it was really even the reconnection portion of it, while we enjoyed kind of replaying how your experience was because you had such a great time with the husband, it really wasn't a situation that we could totally benefit from. And if we can't genuinely benefit from an experience, for us, it's just exercise. Do you think that now knowing what we know and learning the lessons we learned, we would 
we would have communicated with them after in a different way? Yes, absolutely. We were way too new. And, and frankly, we were, we were kind of bothered by the experience. I was put off by it, me particularly, because I got to witness firsthand how this woman was behaving based on how you and her husband were getting along. And I thought, this doesn't make sense to me. This, to me, doesn't look like a couple, first of all, that has any real understanding of each other's needs and wants and what they're trying to get out of this uh, experience. But it, it lent itself to a disconnect completely between them. And I found it a bit disingenuous. Also, I was bothered because I had had a terrible experience it was really uncomfortable for me and not having had anything, any experience like that before, I wasn't entirely sure how to compartmentalize it. Now I would have a much very, a very different outlook, but then it was really bothersome. From a woman's perspective, I have a completely different perspective on the whole thing now. I think this was a couple who had been in the lifestyle for a couple of years, but they had mostly interacted with single men. They'd only really had a few interactions with couples. So even though at the time they seemed like a very seasoned quote unquote couple to us, they really weren't. And if I myself looking back on it now, having the experience and the knowledge that I have now, I would have approached that in a completely different way. I think that there was a way to bring her into the interaction and make her feel far more comfortable to have a conversation far ahead of time of clothes coming off of what she was comfortable with and what she wasn't. I also think being a, what I consider now a seasoned couple as in you and I, I think that there is something to be said for understanding and being empathetic of people who aren't on the same journey as we are doesn't necessarily mean we should play with them. And I and we wouldn't have, I don't think, had we, know, we known no. everything that happened. But I think being understanding that people are all on their own separate little journeys and being supportive of what it is they have going on. I think this was a woman who had some work to do on her self-esteem. 100%. And some work to do on just in general being comfortable with her partner, being with other people. And that's not something to like look down your nose at. We know 100% to begin with that this particular gal, while very attractive, was not comfortable in her own skin. 100%. We know that for a number of reasons. We don't need to go into it. But we know she wasn't comfortable in her own skin. But And that's a shitty feeling as a woman. It is. Well, for anybody, but particularly a woman who is, you know, in this particular case, in her mid-40s, her husband's playing with a woman in her late 20s. That's got to play a little bit on, on your emotions and it'll play on your mind a little bit. However, let me say this. I know for certain that today we would never have gotten ourselves in this situation. First of all, we learned after this... And so very early on in playing with couples, we ch- we decided to meet these folks out of town. We were both an hour and a half away from where we met. So both you and I and they drove from our homes, met in, the, in a town, got hotel rooms, we're going to have dinner together. That's the type of thing you do after you know a couple for a period of time. We would do that with some of our friends now. Sure. We would never do that at this point on a first interaction. Well, it was the second time we met them, but... Right, but the first time we met them was literally for 30 minutes. We knew very little about them, sure. other than that they were an attractive couple and they were a legitimate couple. We would, we still wouldn't do that today. In fact, when we meet couples for the first time, we don't even meet for dinner. We right. meet for drinks. Sure. It's just an easier out if it's not a four-way connection. For all parties. For everyone. This was a situation that was... We were thrust, we thrust ourselves into it. Went out of town, got a room, had dinner. I mean, it was a whole thing. It was like you were going away for a weekend with friends, and they weren't friends at that point. So, again, we would never have taken 
that much of a step forward at this point, particularly with all the red flags that were present that we just didn't recognize back then. I agree. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the second, second quote unquote train wreck situation? Sure. Okay, so this one is the secretive guy. So you and I met a guy. He was supposedly driving in two hours from out of town. Yes. Do you remember who I'm talking about? I do. Okay, so we met this guy. You and he were corresponding, and you showed me his picture. Yes. And I said, oh, I think this is a guy I had been communicating with a few months back, but I got kind of a weird vibe from him. Right. You and he hit it off digitally and you said that it seemed like a really great situation so the three of us met and we all kind of clicked it was this instant fun energy between the three of us about two hours after we met him i had sex with him correct and then he left and when he was leaving made it obvious he wanted to see me again at least verbally and then through further communication with him in the days and weeks to follow I got a sense again that something wasn't right. Right. And I spoke to you about it and I said, God, I just feel like this guy's not being 100% forthcoming with his information. He's being really dodgy about when he might be in town again or what his schedule looks like. And it was pretty evident through future discussions with him and then also talking to you that this guy was potentially married. Once again, very early on in our in yes. our journey, something we would have seen many red flags on leading sure. up to now, but this uh, was a pretty huge reminder that trusting your gut is insanely important, especially when you're dealing with quote unquote single people. Well, and again, as you mentioned, this was early on in our journey for the most part, and we were the vetting process was not perfected. My vetting process certainly was not perfected at that point. And again, we were very eager to throw ourselves into the lifestyle and learn as much as we could and just immerse ourselves in it. And we were, I don't know, I don't want to say willing necessarily, but certainly capable of overlooking some important red flags, which we clearly did. I certainly did. Knowing what I know now. I'm not even sure there were red flags, though. If you really look back on the situation, I mean, he provided his Facebook information. He had his face on his Tinder profile. To me, it seemed like he was very forthcoming with information, but there was still this little gut feeling that was like something is just off. And the way that he would communicate, especially after we had interacted sexually, showed me that that was probably the case. There was just things that didn't line up or things he would tell me that I would think back to things he had told me a week prior that didn't align. Well, and again, we've said this many times. If you are genuinely a single guy, if we're talking about a genuine single individual, single men, particularly those that want to be in this space, that want to be part of a, a, of a couple or a hot wife situation, are absolutely overwhelmingly willing to take the, the extra step. Yep. They want to be part of what's going on. They want to be successful. They want to be invited back. They're going to take the extra step. And if a single or a seemingly or presumably single guy is unwilling to make those concessions, seemingly unavailable when normal single guys might be, can't communicate at night kind of thing, and those are gigantic red flags. I can tell you as a single person, when I was a single person, Given that type of opportunity, I would have moved mountains to make sure that I got in the position I wanted to be in. Right. And if most guys are absolutely willing to do so. And if they're not, there is probably a reason. Yeah, you have to question why that is. You got to question everything. 
And, and that's what we've learned. We question, I question everything. I do it in real life. I do it in business. I've done it my entire professional life. However, being excited about being in the lifestyle and being part of the action, you know, some of those steadfast characteristics, you kind of, you kind of move away from them, but question everything. Yeah, for sure. I will also say whether you are a hot wife or whether you are a couple meeting another couple, it doesn't matter. The level of trust you have to place on your instinct becomes so important. And obviously that becomes sharpened over time as you go through additional situations, as you learn more, as you interact more with people in the lifestyle, your instincts become far more heightened, yeah. but you still, you have to trust them all along this journey. Yeah. Your gut's smart. Your gut knows. If you've got a gut feeling about something, chances are it's pretty, it's accurate. Yeah. And you, you can't rely on the desire to interact with people sexually no. to overcome that gut instinct. Because if you do, that's how these train wreck moments happen over and over yeah. again. Desire will lie to you every time <laughs> your gut will not yes your gut will not lie to you yeah it's, the eroticism and the desire for things totally overrides logic well you think about it right like in you know in my personal my professional life i can spot someone who is completely disingenuous literally before they enter the room it's I, so true i know instantly that someone is full of it i know your your intentions are are poor i just know you're not the genuine article i can see it i can smell it i can feel it when it comes to to the lifestyle, you tend to overlook things that in normative life you would not overlook. You give people the benefit of the doubt. And as soon as you do that, typically it ends up being a failure. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because I've always called you the human lie detector because you have been able to sniff out things, not just lifestyle-wise, right. but any any element of life, any people that we happen to be interacting with, you can tell when they're lying from the moment they begin speaking. Yeah, absolutely. And yet there are times when you have pushed that down for the sake of us having fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, it's it was early on. We obviously learned from those mistakes. I certainly have. And the one thing that I think that's important that, that we did not get early on or certainly didn't pay attention to, specifically as it pertains to single men, I'm talking about single guys because that's what we're on right now. Make no mistake. There are plenty of them. Yes. So just because one isn't going to be the right fit or you've got a gut feeling that this is just a bad idea, just move away, move on, and literally go on to the next one because there is always a next one. Right. And nine times out of 10, it's a better option. That person's a better option. Go, Just go with your gut, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I do Absolutely. it. You know, even now, when all things considered are good, the digital communication seems solid. Everything the person says checks out. You go through all those processes. Something at some point may hit me and it, and I'll get a gut feeling and say, you know what? This isn't going to work. Something's not right. I'll pull away from it. Just move on to the next. Even to the point where, I mean, typically if you're going to do the vetting, you do the vast majority of it and you don't pass them on to me until you're 100% sure. There have been times when you pass guys on to me and then they'll say something to you afterwards yeah. and you're like, nope, pull the trigger. We're done here. And I totally trust that judgment now. If it had been two or three years ago, I would have sure. been like, what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. I like this guy. He's handsome. You know, I would have pushed back and now right. I have learned to really trust you in that way. Yeah, it's a it's a gut it's a gut thing. You just gotta go with your gut. It's instinctual. You, you people we know better. As human beings, we know. We know when we're in danger, you can feel it. You know when somebody's not genuine, you can feel it, but somehow the lifestyle tends to blur all of that. 
for sure. It you does. <laughs> Makes everything complicated. It does. That need in your pants just gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, desire <laughs> will kick logic's ass every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so the next one I have written down is not one you and I talked about before starting the podcast today. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. So the number three, quote unquote, failure that we have experienced was what I am calling the hand-holding incident. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, but I think you're going to be surprised as to why. So let me lay this out for our listeners. If you guys are not familiar with the situation, Brian and I played during his birthday weekend, during your birthday weekend yeah. with our friend who at on our other podcast, we refer to as Hannah. Right. She is a regular play partner. She is a lovely 30 something year old woman that we she's love a seeing. She's a friend. She, yeah, she's a, uh, definitely a friends with benefits, but more even that, I would say at this point, far closer to just a friend. Yeah, we've had as many vanilla experiences with her as we have non-vanilla. And we just adore her. She's so sweet. And we've had experiences with her both together and you have played with her individually. I guess yes. I have as well at this you have. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So during the birthday weekend that I'm referring to, we played with her together and then we went out to dinner afterwards. Well, let's back up. I think we need to paint a much bigger picture here because not only was it my birthday weekend, you set this entire thing up. It was a total surprise. I didn't know that Hannah was coming in town. You invited her, told her the situation. You got an amazing hotel room in our town. You put her up in the room. You set this whole thing up. Right. It was entirely your doing. For sure. So not only that, but during the interaction... Much of my, much of our sexual kind of, of our play was myself and she. Right. You were certainly part of it, but more than anything, you were kind of, you were a voyeur for the vast majority of it. For sure. And it was a super hot, super sexy experience. Certainly the best birthday ever for me. (laughs) And I'm 50. So, you know, it was amazing. So you set the entire thing up. And then after, of course, because Hannah is a friend and and we we just love spending time with her. And it was your birthday. And it was my birthday. I wanted to take you guys out to dinner. So, and it's not the first time all three of us have been out to dinner or lunch or anything else. We've done that many times since even. But we went out to dinner to our favorite restaurant. We wanted to take her out to thank her for, you know, for participating, obviously. (laughs) Well, also just to to enjoy her company on your birthday. I thought it was because she's a friend. I thought it would be really fun for the three of us to go have a very nice dinner and drinks. We went to one of our favorite places. We had really high-end, lovely cocktails. It was a celebration. And it was so fun. Your birthday is also in February. Yes, it is. So there was ice and snow on the ground. We live in Montana, so it gets a little chilly here in February. For sure it does. And both Hannah and myself were wearing a dress and heels. Yes. And when we left the restaurant, everything had kind of iced over in the parking lot. It was like a skating rink. Yeah, it was below zero, well below zero. And you guys did not choose sensible shoes. So you grabbed both of our hands and walked us kind of from the sidewalk to the car, which was, you know, 30 or 40 feet. Yeah, an adjacent parking lot. And you helped her into the car. You helped me into the car. And in that moment, I felt a a real gut check moment. And looking back on it, I will now probably classify it as jealousy. I did not like seeing you hold someone else's hand. Bearing in mind, of course, that you have multiple times seen me have sex with Hannah. You are proving my point. So we're going to get to this in just a second. So we get to the car. I don't say anything. We help Hannah to her actual hotel room. Yes. 
I don't think we played with her again that night. No, no, we? no. We, t- we dropped her off. It was very late. It was freezing cold, and the r- r- roads were icing over, and we had about a 30-minute drive home. So we got we dropped her off at our hotel room, or her hotel room that we yes. got, but we got back in our car, and we went home. And it wasn't until the next day that I told you that I didn't love the idea that you held her hand. Yeah, you told me in the morning over coffee. I thought it was so interesting. So here's the thing. It could have been a much bigger failure had I freaked out in that moment, had I created some sort of a scene, had I picked a fight with you on our way home. I was proud of myself in that I really held it together until the next morning when I had had a chance to really digest it. And the first that you and I talked about it was in a very calm and logical way. And I was really able to voice my opinions and my thoughts in what I thought was a very mindful way. Yeah. And to be to be fair, obviously, I did not hold her hand the same way for the same reasons I would hold your hand under normal circumstances. I was simply trying to help a friend through what could have been a very kind of dangerous situation. But it doesn't matter. You're getting ahead of the situation. So hold on a second. Because the whole point is we talk about this on our other podcast from Porch Swingers. We talk to other lifestyle friends about it. And everyone kind of has the same reaction, which is, well, Brenna, you don't have a reason to be upset about this. And you kind of just did the exact same thing, which is that it isn't meant to be anything other than helping a friend to the car and i think that this is a lesson this quote-unquote failure is a lesson that as a lifestyle person you have to cut yourself some slack and you have to understand that emotions are going to bubble to the surface and there are going to be things that happen that are not necessarily 100 percent logical but as long as you express them to your partner in a respectful way it's okay and i honestly beat myself up over that situation for a long time we still receive emails from listeners oh, yeah. that are you know saying things like well why did you freak out about that or Brent is so weird about being so jealous and it's really easy to get wrapped up in that mindset versus the mindset of hey I'm human and there are times that I am not going to react a hundred percent logically logically or or responsibly in those moments oh i think it was responsible but yeah. there there are times when i'm going to have human reactions to things and that's not a bad thing in fact i think it's kind of a beautiful thing and a lot of people in the lifestyle don't think of it that way yeah and for me like i said i, I had a difficult time understanding it because of course i'm caveman thinking i'm trying to compartmentalize it going well i mean she watched me have sex with her and in fact she set the whole thing up but all I did was hold her hand she seen me hold <laughs> much worse and so you know that's how I was or thinking much of better. it or much better but you're you weren't thinking of it that way this is simply a situation that you had never experienced before that wasn't a that wasn't a physical or a sexual thing that was more of an intimate thing is right. how you perceived it and so of course that that threw you off now of course fast forward right that's over a year ago now we're talking about a so coming up on a year. Coming up on a year, we are now we are we are playing with the in the polyamorous space. Right, we're going out on individual dates. But I think that's my point: is if I had just thought of that as like a limitation, in terms of I don't want Brian to hold other people's yeah, hands. we wouldn't be where that's we are a right boundary now. that I need to set in our relationship, and I can't move forward from that because that is my personal limitation. Think about all of the experiences that have come after that that we would have missed out on. Well, I mean, think about what's happening with us right now. You just went on a date Sunday. You actually were dating a solo poly guy. You went out with him a few times. It didn't work out, but you had a number of dates with him. I've now seen a gal on three different occasions preparing to see her again. 
yeah, we would have missed out on a lot of experiences for sure. And, and a lot of, you know, potentially solid friendships and relationships that we've made along the way. It would have, it definitely would have changed the dynamic of where we, we currently stand. And I think a lot of lifestyle couples fall into this realm. We hear from people all the time that say things like, my partner had a really negative reaction to something that happened in a play session. So we're just stepping back from the lifestyle. Right. Or my partner really didn't like seeing me kiss someone else. So I'm never going to kiss anyone else in the lifestyle. And it's like, No, that's an opportunity for both of you to grow and communicate and figure it out and become better as a result of that. It's not an opportunity to completely halt all growth. That's not what this is. Yeah, you could have had a very negative knee-jerk reaction to that experience. And the truth of the matter is, in that moment, I would have been lost for an understanding. It would have thrown me, obviously. But yeah, knee-jerk reactions and being overly kind of reactive to things can can really cause a problem for you in, in your in your relationship and certainly in your lifestyle journey. Uh, but definitely that was something we learned from. It was it was a it was a trigger for you. It, at that moment was not a comfortable feeling for you. And to your credit, you did not allow that to become an issue where you were never going to play with another woman apart from me. You were never not going to hold another woman's hand. We actually just talked the other night, like, have you ever held this woman's hand that you're seeing on these dates? And you said, yeah, I think I have. And that didn't feel weird to me at all because I have progressed past that. And you have given me the opportunity to grow as a non-monogamous person as a result. Well, it's funny. When you asked me that, I had to think about it because... It, you know, holding her hand didn't, it didn't really occur to me that that was even a, a topic necessarily because we had gotten so far past it. But after thinking about it, it did occur to me, I actually held her hand for a, the period of about two city blocks walking from the bar that we had gone to, uh, to her car. That was about the extent of it, but it took me a minute to figure it out because I thought so, it just didn't, it wasn't a, a, a gigantic issue for me because we got past it. Sure. Now, had we somehow gotten to where we are and handholding was still an issue for you, I certainly wouldn't have done it. It would have been awkward in that moment <laughs> since she reached out for my hand and it was our third date. And that's as far as we've gotten. We have not had any kind of sexual contact to this point. So it would have been a kind of an odd odd thing to not do. Certainly, sure. You know, but yeah, it, it's one of those learning experiences. You've got to get past it. Yeah, well, if you as a grow. couple, you have to get past yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to grow as a couple, if you want to grow as a lifestyle couple, certainly you've got to make some concessions. We've talked about this before. I am fully convinced when it comes to couples particularly that are steadfast in the lifestyle, they have these these core values in the lifestyle. They are purists. They are heteronormative couple for heteronormative couple. That's how they play. It's the same room. It's the same bed. It's the lights on. Like they have this very regimented level of play. I honestly feel like that isn't an entirely healthy method. I almost feel like that's a, it's a, a concession. Like you're in the lifestyle as a concession. And if it's not under these constraints, then we simply can't participate. And I find that stifling. And, and I feel bad for couples who feel that way, that it, that it has to be that way for whatever various reasons. For me, it would just be so stifling and controlling. It would be, it would be a, an unpleasant experience, I think. Yeah. Now that could be because we are just so far past that at right, this point. Right. Uh, it it just it, it doesn't even make cognitive sense to me for us to be, even think about playing that way. In fact, I was just reached out to by a couple on one of our one of our platforms, and they were very clear about same room. It, you know, just write down the you know the typical agenda, and I very politely said thank you very much. I don't know that this is going to be a fit for us. We appreciate it. Good luck to you, and that was it. Just sure. doesn't make sense for us. Yeah, agreed. 
So fourth train wreck, fourth and final train wreck slash failure in the lifestyle that we have learned something from. Uh, I'm going to call it the judgment debacle. Yeah, this is recent. Very this is still, recent. This is still raw. It's a little raw. Yeah, this is raw. And we're going to leave some of this out because frankly, it was unpleasant. Well, and also some of it really doesn't matter. Some of it is very personal and it doesn't relate to the lifestyle at large. Right. And the reason we do this podcast is to try to help people communicate about their own things going on and find their own journeys. But I went out with a guy last week who, when I was communicating with him digitally, seemed like a good fit. He was very much into what he referred to as the sex positive community. He was interested in being under chastity and being caged and wanted to do some sissification as well. And so when I hear those things often, I think of people that really have their stuff together and they're very understanding of their own needs and kind of the sex positive world at large. And I think this was a really big learning lesson in that everyone is on their own journey and sometimes your journeys do not align. And just because I assume things about you because of the things that you tell me about yourself does not mean that we are going to align well. Well, there's also... You know, we got to back up a little bit here because this was a, on paper, as you would say, and digitally certainly was a good fit. There was many, there were many kinks that he was interested in that he wanted to experience that were somewhat aligned with your interests. He was about your age. He's an artist of sorts. And you would think that someone like that was free of judgment, a free thinker, really in touch with his own sexual emotions for the most part, with a relatively high sexual IQ based on some of the things he was interested in. And because of that, you, again, didn't necessarily dig any deeper than you thought you had to, and there was no reason for you to think you would. So upon your very first meeting with this guy, it was pretty evident, again, early on, there were a couple of red flags, but you didn't even really notice them until after the experience. It was something that in retrospect, you're like, wow, I should have should have seen that coming because of of this you know particular red flag so sure. it was it was really unfortunate and, and interesting so again i won't go into all of the details but there were multiple things that were said during this sit down with this guy this first meeting that had me going okay this he's not nearly as sex positive as i would hope or i would expect from someone in his situation there were homophobic remarks made there were were remarks made about sex work Obviously, I'm a sex worker at this point, and so some judgment around that. And, you know, even before I had an OnlyFans, I obviously supported sex workers and the ability for women to make money in in sexual ways. We have a podcast where we do that. Yeah, men or women make you know earn a living if it's if you if sex or non-binary anyone out there. Absolutely, sex work is is your your jam. Then by all means, work it. For sure. And through a conversation with him, I realized we were 100% not on the same page. And I will say I learned a couple of lessons during this sit down. One is I cannot allow people to have control over my emotions. And I think this is a really important one for anyone that is going to be in the lifestyle community because you have to have an insane amount of emotional maturity when you're meeting other people. It's kind of like dating, but on steroids. Correct. And when you get into the lifestyle, you start to notice that there are many different types of people. There are many different types of backgrounds, people with different opinions. And while it's okay to have difference differences in opinions, there are also things that I am steadfast on and that I will not, there are things that I will not waver on 
And as a result of that, I'm not going to have sex with people that are so far removed from my reality and the things that I feel. And even though that is my reality at this point, I I can't let other people have control over me. No. And the interesting thing about this, however, is and if there was obviously within 45 minutes of, of talking to this gentleman, you knew that there would be no physical connection, mainly because he wasn't even in touch with his own sexuality. He wasn't comfortable in his own skin. You had to get a table away from everybody else. He was whispering to you when he was mentioning the kinks that he was interested in, you know, the the caging, the the cross-dressing, the pegging. He couldn't look you in the eye when he was saying these things to you, so he wasn't even 100% comfortable with himself. There was no way you could be comfortable with him. Sure, absolutely. And I will also say, I think the biggest learning lesson coming out of this was that just because someone is on a sex site, just because you're meeting them on a swinger site or a BDSM site or any of those types of things, does not mean you're going to have things in common with them that are important. And it's really important to dig in a little bit deeper into people's interests and thoughts on the lifestyle, on things like sex positivity. One of the questions you and I have discussed adding to our uh, vetting process is, what does sex positivity mean to you? Yes, absolutely. There's there's a lot to be said for someone who fully understands themselves from a, the, the perspective of sex positivity. I think had you asked this gentleman that question, you probably would have gotten a very eye-opening answer or he may not have been able to answer it necessarily in an articulate way which would have told you something as well sure and again just like you said meeting someone on a bdsm site or a fetish site or a swinger site and because it seems like digitally you've got a a lot in alignment that doesn't mean that that person understands themselves a hundred percent or even understands why they feel the way they feel and that's what i think is the biggest issue with this particular guy we're talking about he was so lost in why he has these feelings, and there was so there was definitely a level of self self loathing, which I think is indicative of the homophobic comments that he made to you on multiple occasions. It just lends itself to someone who is not a hundred percent equipped to be in this space. And for you, you're an emotional person, and you were offended by it. Obviously, you were hurt by it, and it brought you to tears. Yes, and to allow someone to do that is unfortunate, but you take this very seriously. You take it personally. And when you take the time to get to know somebody, digitally or otherwise, and then take the time to meet them, only to find that they are the type of person that you would never in a million years interact with, right. is, I guess for me, it's, it's pretty simple. It sounds cliche. It sounds strange. But when you and I go out on dates, particularly separately, or we go to, to play with our prospective partners, or respective partners. If it's not a good experience, and I mean a good experience for both of us, then all we've basically done is is taken time away from each other. And if we've done that, we have defeated the purpose entirely. Right. It goes against everything that we are in the lifestyle to accomplish. Sure. Because this the entire lifestyle, while meeting new people and, and making friends and new experiences and creating new experiences is a huge part of what why we do what we do, the biggest part of it is for what it does for us as a couple. Sure. And if it doesn't it doesn't make a positive impact on our relationship, well then it's a negative impact and we don't need to do it. Sure. So for me that's the biggest takeaway. The only failure for me, I don't think it's a failure that this necessarily happened. I was upset at the time of course because you were upset. I don't think it was a failure because there's certainly something to be learned from this, a lot to be gleaned from it for sure. 
the biggest failure for me is that we just didn't get to spend that evening together like we normally would have. You know, that's that was my failure. Well, I think the biggest learning lesson for me, and it may sound a little bit pessimistic, but it's not to make assumptions about who somebody is just based on their profiles, based on the fact that they're on a quote unquote sex positive website. Those types of things have to be compartmentalized and you really still have to dig into who somebody is in order to understand if they're a good fit for you, your moral values and your experiences that you want to get out of the lifestyle. For sure. For sure. You've got to make those determinations on your own, certainly, and really have a firm understanding of what you want to to get out of the entire experience. And like the situation you found yourself in, if at any point you find yourself in a situation that is untenable, certainly not in, in alignment with your needs and wants and desires, you simply need to pull the eject button. Just get out of there. For sure. So I hope that the entire point of this podcast for you as you're listening has been, yes, you are going to run into quote unquote failures. Yes, you are going to have those times that things go completely off the rails. And you often, especially if you're a couple, look back on them and go, what the hell were we thinking? You re- you react emotionally to them at the time, maybe. You react out of anger or frustration. But after you have some separation from them and have the ability to really learn from the train wreck moments, you realize that they were all an important part of your building blocks as a lifestyle couple. You understand that your non-monogamous journey is not a straight path. There are a lot of twists and turns, just like a roller coaster. And if you kind of have to embrace that. Yeah. Like anything else in life, you learn far more from the losses than you do the wins. So if if you've had a failure in this space, you are absolutely going to learn something from it. For sure, you'll be better. Every time you have a failure, you'll be better the next time. You certainly, I know we don't make the same mistake twice. We learn from it, move on, make the adjustments, correct it, and we have a better experience for it. Well, we also dissect them and we debrief with each other after every single interaction on a very serious level. And I think that that's a really important thing to do, especially if you're a new couple in the lifestyle, but really for anyone looking to be non-monogamous. Yeah. If you're looking to continue your journey, moving forward, creating new successes and I, I think you have to have those conversations. It's the it's the minutia that matters. It's the little stuff that, you know, maybe you don't think is important, but in, in having a conversation with your partner, those little things tend to, to come out and, and can learn a lot from them. Absolutely. So if you guys want more information on this, more individualized assistance on any of the topics we've discussed today or anything else in your lifestyle journey, hit us up at mail. Hit us up at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at sexonyourterms.com where you can also book a consultation with us or see our additional services and resources. Also, check us out on social media. We're both on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. And we cannot wait until the next time. So until then, we hope you enjoy Sex on Your Terms.